0: What a morning it has already been. We had our first service at 8.30 today, and somebody went public with their faith and got baptized in the first service. At the end of the service, there was an the invitation for people to respond, to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and four people in first service on New Year's Day gave their hearts to the Lord. And I just love what's happening right now in this moment, that you all have come together with the closest friends and family that you have, and you said, today on January 1st, at the beginning of this new year, I'm going to give all that I have to Jesus. I'm going to come and worship him passionately. I'm not going to start the year off by being passive in worship. Instead, I'm going to engage in worship this morning. And so today, with the singing of songs, you guys have lifted up your voices in a time where we're able to give of our tithes and our offerings you've engaged. And now we come to this moment in the service where we get to look at the word of God and what is he going to speak to us today. And I just love that the decision that you've made today, I believe is gonna set the tone for the rest of the year. I really believe that. And I believe that as we dive into his word this morning, if we'll allow it to penetrate our hearts, it will transform us and it will change us. At the end of first service today, there was a visitor that came up to me. And she said, last night I made a decision to quit being an alcoholic. And she said, I'm at church this morning. I'm setting the tone of what the rest of the year and what the rest of my life is going to look like. I believe that today can be a freeing day. A day where you set aside the addictions and the sin of the past and you experience the freedom and the transformation that God has for you. So again, you set the tone, you're here today and I believe that God's gonna work mightily in our midst and in your hearts and your lives. We finished the year so strong, so grateful for the Christmas Eve service. Christmas Day service was powerful. Many of you were able to make it and join us for those. PG, our children's pastor, preached a phenomenal message last week. And I'm just telling you that from the beginning of of the message to the end, he captured the attention of every adult and every child in the room. He is magical and masterful at that. And so if you missed last week's message, it was really, really powerful. We'd encourage you to listen online, at spot, listen on Spotify, find the video on YouTube or Facebook or go to our website and catch up on that. Well, we've closed the chapter of one year and today begins a new chapter of a new year. And before some of you tune me out this morning, you're like, "Oh, here we go, another New Year's Eve, uh, New Year's Day resolution sermon." It's not what this is today, right? I'm just telling you. Like some of you are like, "I've tried that, done that, I'm over it," you know. And then there are others of you who are like, "I made New Year's resolutions." Here are what I here's what I want to say to both of those camps. Good for you. Like, <laughs> if you made New Year's resolutions, tremendous. If you didn't, tremendous. But that's not what we're going to talk about today. For some of you, 2022 was an amazing year and you thrived. For others, 2022 was filled with so many challenges and difficulties, your goal was just to survive the year. There's nothing magical about this date of January 1st, 2023, but it's a marker And how cool is it that it would fall on a Sunday this year and that you would be able to start your year out by coming and worshiping and celebrating the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I love that we did communion this morning, that at the very beginning of this year that we would be remembering the sacrifice that Christ made for us, and what our life, how our lives could look like if every single day we would just point back to that. You know, I think there's, a, there's obviously a reason why Jesus encouraged followers of him to remember his death in, in communion, and so I'm grateful that we did that today, and let's continue to remember that in every day of our life. And State marks the end of a moment in time and the beginning of another. With that, it enables us to engage mentally and emotionally and spiritually about what we want to bring into this new year and what we want to leave behind. I appreciate what Pastor Dan said during communion. What are the things that we need to leave behind? While some of you will make a commitment this year to exercise and eat healthy, there's no guarantee that any of that will prevent you from having a scary health diagnosis. Some of you will make a commitment to get straight A's in your classes, and there's no guarantee that that will happen. Some of you will make a commitment to plan for retirement and invest accordingly, but there's no guarantee, as we saw in this past year, that everything will continue to go up. There's so many things in life that, that we can make a commitment to but are out of our control. And with that, I don't think we should have a fatalistic mindset about any of it. Instead, I think we should do the things that we can control and engage in those things that we can control. So let me illustrate it this way. This past Monday, my wife and I and our kids left in two different vehicles to head to Topeka, Kansas to celebrate Christmas with her family. And uh, we took two separate vehicles, not because we wanted to, but because we couldn't all fit in one. And I'll just tell you what a glorious season that it is when your children can all be in a different vehicle than you. (laughs) My wife loved me that day. I didn't have to listen to fighting. I didn't have to see cuddling, you know, like none of that, you know, like it was, it was glorious. And so we get on Highway 20, and the kids decide to go the back roads down to Des Moines to then down uh, to Topeka. And Eric and I thought we made the wise decision to take the major highways. And so we took 20 to 35. And about 45 minutes into the trip, 20 became dicey. And here's what we thought on Monday if we can just get to 35, then we'll be okay. Boy, was I wrong. Boy, was I wrong. I had no idea what we were in for. It was terrifying. I kid you not, Eric and I found ourselves smack dab in the middle of a multi-car pileup on Highway 35. People were crashing ahead of us. People were crashing beside us. People were crashing behind us. And I'm telling you, it's only by the grace of God that we skated through there without being involved in that accident. And we're so grateful to God that like, that, that didn't happen for us. And so as we continue on the road, there, uh, there's so many accidents that for much of the ride down to Des Moines, it was bumper to bumper traffic. And we were moving at a Snail's pace. The children beat us to Des Moines, not because they were speeding, but because of the road conditions, they beat us to Des Moines by an hour and a half. Yeah, that's how bad it was. It took us four over four hours to get to Des Moines. It was horrible. And so I was grateful that we that we slowed down to a snail's pace because then at least people were flying around us. And uh, and so in this conversation we had Erica's saying, let's let's turn back. And we had this dilemma. Do we cancel the trip? Do we keep going? Do we turn back? It's a white knuckle trip. What should we do? And so our goal became just to make it to Des Moines. We can make it to Des Moines, we can get a couple hotel rooms, so we can wait it out over the night, and then we can come back home. And what we knew is that if we made the decision to head back in that moment, that we would have to traverse the same horrible conditions that we had just come through. And so we wondered, should we trade the uncertainty of what lay ahead for the certainty of what laid behind, no matter how bad what laid behind was? Isn't that the choice that we get in life? God extends the invitation for us to leave what's behind and press on to what's ahead. Yet for so many, even though they can't stand where they're at and who they are, they choose the comfort of familiarity as dysfunctional as it sounds to the uncertainty of what, Christ, what a life with Christ would look like. And I'm telling you that that day in the car, I resolved that we were not turning back. No matter what the path looked like, we were gonna take, we were gonna take our chances on the road ahead. And spiritually, there are some of you who need to resolve to not turn back and to take your chances on the road ahead. And I believe this morning that God is calling some of you to do that today. That as dysfunctional as your past is, as familiar as your past is, as comforting as all of that is to you, that you would leave that in the past and press on towards what he has for you. So this morning we're going to look at a passage in Philippians and how the writer of this passage, his name is Paul, how he wrestled through this. Paul was a historical figure, he's a real historical figure that we read about in the New Testament. He was a very zealous Jew, and the Bible records that he persecuted and even killed Christians. In fact, in the beginning of Philippians chapter 3, Paul lists his qualifications or advantages of the flesh, the things that people in that day would feel like made him somebody, And some of these he had by birth, which were out of his control, and others of these advantages were by choice. He writes that he was circumcised, that he was of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. He was a Hebrew son of Hebrew parents. If anybody had somewhat of a pedigree for success, it was him. And these were the advantages that were completely out of his control, and then he had the advantages based off his decisions. He was a Pharisee. As to zeal, the Bible says that he was a persecutor of the church. He says that as to righteousness under the law, he was blameless. Paul had status and he had the comfort of the familiarity. There was a moment in his life where he made this decision to leave what was familiar and leave what was comfortable and become a follower of Jesus. And in verse number seven, he makes an evaluation of the decision that he made. Listen carefully to these words, Philippians chapter three, verse number seven. He writes, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. When Paul evaluates the decision that he made to leave his past and to walk in relationship with Christ, he says... The past doesn't even compare. He says, whatever I have gained, I count as lost for the sake of Christ. He writes that everything is lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Whatever's been in your past, whatever's been behind you, can I encourage you at the marker of the end of one year and into the new year that you would make a commitment to know Christ. That you would make a commitment to know Christ. Today begins 21 days of prayer and fasting. What an incredible way for us to experience intimacy with the Father. That we would lay down things in our lives that we would notice when they're gone, right? Like if, if you're like, oh, I'm going to fast broccoli, you know, and you hate broccoli. That's not fasting anything. That's just lying, uh, But when you give up something that you crave or something that you love in those moments where those cravings are there or where the hunger pains exist, then in that moment you'll go, oh, there's this need here. This reminds me. I should have some time with the Father right now. I should pray. I should read my Bible. I should listen to what he wants to speak to my heart. What an incredible way over the next 21 days for us to know Christ. During the announcements, we talked about small groups. What an incredible way for you to know Christ even more by engaging in community with others who are chasing after him. And Paul, in these passages and in his life, doesn't make a commitment to Christ only if Christ will make him healthy and wealthy. Instead, he writes, I want to know the power of his resurrection and share in Jesus' suffering. We're not promised that the road ahead will be without challenges or obstacles. Paul said, I'm going to leave the path that's familiar and comfortable for the path of knowing Jesus in every way. And he realizes that he hasn't learned everything there is to know about Jesus and that he's far from perfect. Verse number 12, he writes, not that I've already obtained all of this or have already uh, or am already perfect, but I press on to to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. And keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And the glory is in their shame. They glory in their shame with mindset on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Paul writes, not that I have already obtained all of this or that I've already been made perfect, right? Not that I have obtained all of the knowledge that there is to know about Jesus. How could he? There's so much to know about him. And doesn't it seem like the the more we get to know about him, the more we realize we don't know? And that doesn't discourage us. Instead, it inspires us. And the more we get to know about him, the more we want to know about him. Paul experienced this. And Paul writes that, that he presses on to make it my own. And he tells us why he presses on. He presses on. Here's his motivation. Because Christ Jesus has made him his own. Christ Jesus has made him his own. In verse 13, I don't consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining towards what lies ahead. Paul was convinced that what lied ahead was better than what lied behind. He had to leave a lot in his past. Paul had status. He had to leave it. He left his reputation, his relationships, his sin and regrets, Paul was a pretty horrible person, to put it nicely. Think about the friend group that Paul would have had. They would have sat around bragging about how horribly they treated followers of Jesus. They would have bragged about persecuting and killing Christians. They would have encouraged each other towards evil, and this would have been his friend group. And one of the things that Paul had to leave in his past was his friend group. And the crazy part about him walking away from his friend group to join a new friend group was that he would be joining a new friend group that the old friend group would be persecuting. Think about that. And I wonder for some of you, what does your friend group look like? The people who are closest to you. The ones that you spend the most amount of time with. Do you encourage them in their relationship with Jesus? Do they encourage you in your relationship with Jesus? Maybe it's time for some of you to leave your friend group that's pushing you away from Jesus and become part of a friend group that will push you closer to Him. Craig Rochelle, a pastor of a church, says, Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. How true is that? It's a simple statement with profound and true implications. If you don't like what you see, if you feel bad or regretful every time you walk away from hanging out with your friends, it's probably time to find a new friend group that will encourage you in your relationship with Jesus. Paul left what was behind and he strained towards what's ahead. And I don't think the word strain was accidental. I think it depicts what's necessary. We strain towards what's ahead. It's not necessarily easy. It takes effort to leave what's behind and strain towards what's ahead. On top of leaving some relationships in the past, Paul had to leave some regrets in the past. Can you imagine? He's persecuted and killed Christians, and now he's traveling around telling people about Jesus. He's preaching and looking into the eyes of family members, of people that he possibly persecuted and even killed. How many know that Paul had some regrets? Maybe your past looks drastically different than Paul, but the one thing in common is you have some serious regrets. And so how do you leave what's behind and strain towards what's ahead? The Bible tells us that if we confess our sins to God, that he's faithful and just to forgive us. That when we do that, he casts our sins as far as the east is from the west. Paul confessed his sin and experienced forgiveness for them, and it didn't make all the consequences go away. When he first started hanging out in Christian circles, people weren't sure about him. Imagine that. But over time, they saw the radical transformation that God made in him. And if some of you confess your sins and step out of the lifestyle you're living in right now, some might be skeptical. But over time, they'll see the transformation that God has made in you. Paul didn't let the weight of his past regrets keep him from straining towards what was ahead. He made an incredible impact for the glory of God praying that today some of you will lay your past regrets down, that you'll confess your sins to him and that you'll strain towards what's ahead. It's like on Monday for our family, there was a pull to return to some treacherous roads that we had just come by. And returning could have led to our destruction. And there's this pull from the enemy of your soul to get you to return to the things that you've left behind. And I'm just telling you this morning that if you return to them, they'll lead to your destruction. forgetting what's behind, and straining towards what's ahead. And beyond this new year, and the next new year, and the next new year, there's an eternity that awaits us. In verse 14, Paul writes, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The vision of the future is far greater than the view of the past. Paul had served God for nearly 30 years when he wrote this letter to the Philippians. In three decades, surely he had won some spiritual battles. He would have grown tremendously, yet he confessed that he had not obtained all of this or had already been made perfect. But Paul pursued Christ-likeness. There was enthusiasm about this and persistence. And I just hope that it would be said of all of us that as, as we age and as we grow older together, That 30 years from now, people would say to us that we are sweeter, that we are kinder, that there is more spiritual authority and power in our lives than ever before because of the faithful service that we've had to him, our commitment to Christ's likeness. And that it wouldn't be said of any of us after serving the Lord for 30 years or longer that somebody would be like, oh man, I knew him when he was in his 40s and he was Passionate about Jesus and Christ likeness. He loved God, but now he's just a crotchety old. Mm hmm. 30 years into it, all that Paul experienced, he pursued Christ likeness. May it be said of us that we pursue Christ likeness. Paul refused to be controlled or absorbed by his past heritage, his achievements, and his regrets. And because of Paul's integrity, he walked the talk. He didn't say one thing and do another. He talked about chasing Christ's likeness, and he did it. And in verse number 17, he uses these, these powerful words. He says, brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. If you told people to follow your example, would you be proud of the disciple that they would be? Are you chasing Christ likeness? Or are you a half-hearted follower? Kids are notorious for imitating their parents. And I'm telling you, we've had some pretty embarrassing moments with our kids, especially when they were younger. And maybe some of you have heard these words or you've said these words that parents sometimes say, do as I say, not as I. Yeah, you've heard that. Do as I say, not as I do. And so when your children are younger, you say, go to bed. And they think they're being cute. And they say, well, you get to stay up late. (laughs) What do you say? Do as I say, not as I do. Don't use drugs. Well, you use drugs. Do as I say, not as I don't have sex with your boyfriend or girlfriend. You have sex with your boyfriend or girlfriend. Do as I say, not as I don't party hard. Y'all are like, I'm at church at 10.30 in the morning. I didn't party hard last night. If I partied hard, I wouldn't be here. Congratulations. I'm preaching to the choir this morning. (laughs) Don't party hard. Well, you party hard. Do as I say, not as I. Get up and go to church. You don't get up and go to church. Do as I say, not as I. Oh, kid, you need an attitude adjustment. You needed some Jesus time. You need to go read your Bible and pray or something. Well, you need Jesus time too. Your attitude stinks. <laughs> Do as I say, not as I. Come on. Are we chasing Christ likeness? Can you say to someone follow me as I follow Christ or imitate me as I follow Christ? Paul wasn't perfect, and he didn't claim to be perfect. In this passage, he, he says, not that I have obtained all of this or have already been made perfect, and I'll just tell you that perfection is not expected of us either. But let's be people who chase after likeness. In verse 18, Paul continues this letter by talking about how some walk as enemies of the cross, and as he's writing this, he says, I'm writing this to you through tears. Paul knew what it was like to be an enemy of the cross. And 30 years later, three decades later, the impact of being an enemy of the cross still moves him to emotion. I think there's two parts of it. Number one, remembering his past. And secondly, because of his past, a compassion to those who are currently living as enemies of the cross because he knows how deceived they are. And in verse number 19, he writes that their end is destruction. He's saying those who are enemies of the cross will not make it to heaven. Human beings are divided into two categories, children of God and children of wrath. There's no in between. Children of wrath will spend an eternity in hell, and children of God will spend an eternity in heaven. And as he's addressing some of the false teachers and teachings that have been taking place, He says these false teachers only chase after their physical desires. He writes that their glory is in their shame. In other words, they prided themselves on the things that they should have been ashamed of. Doesn't that describe the day and age in which we live in? The people would brag about things that are shameful. They would boast in things that they should be embarrassed and ashamed of. And he writes, finally, that their minds are set on earthly things, not on eternal things. And the contrast of that in verse number 20, he says, as followers of Jesus, our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. The people of Philippi were living there as colonists while their citizenship was in Rome. And similarly, Christians, while living on earth, have our citizenship elsewhere and it's in heaven. And our mind isn't just on earthly things as followers of Jesus, they're on eternal things. And we eagerly await Jesus' return or our completion of this race of faith to spend eternity with him. Now, I don't know what the life road conditions have been for each of you to get to this point. I don't know if it's been smooth sailing or a white knuckled ride. But what I do know is that the path is forward, not behind. The path is forward, not behind. Had Erica and I turned around on Monday, it could have had devastating consequences. We pressed on even when the temptation was to return on the treacherous roads. And Paul's words for us today are this, forget what's behind and strain towards what's ahead. Forget what's behind and strain towards what's ahead. Let's chase after Christ's likeness together until he returns or till he calls us home. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes all across this room? Maybe there are some of you who've come today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You say, today I wanna start this new year out by being in right standing with him. I wanna move from being a child of wrath to being a child of of God maybe there are others of you who at one time walked with God but you've turned your back on him and you say today I need to see my relationship restored back to him in just a moment if that's you you say I need to ask Jesus to come into my life for the very first time or you say I need to see my relationship restored back to him when I count to three why don't you slip up your hands all across this room one two three lift them up all across this room thank you I see that hand you can put it down are there others this morning Let's all stand. There was at least one hand that went up this morning of someone who needs to ask Jesus to come into their life for the very first time or see their relationship restored back to him. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna lead us in a prayer. And if you raise your hand, I want you to repeat it after me and mean it with everything that's within you. But know that you won't be praying this prayer alone, but that each of us in support of you will also be praying. Let's pray. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I messed up. This morning I ask for your forgiveness. Give me a fresh start. Be my savior. Be my king. Take over every area. Take over every aspect. And help me from this day forward to live for you with all of my heart. With all of my soul, with all of my mind, with all of my strength. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give God praise for what He's done this morning. <laughs> if you raise your hand in person or online, we'd ask that you would text the word yes to 319-250-8998. Again, if you text the word yes to 319 319- Two five zero eight nine nine eight. We want to encourage you in the decision that you've made in the journey that God wants to take you on. We'll leave time at the end of each of our services for people to receive prayer. In just a moment, the worship team is going to lead us in one more song. The prayer team is going to join right here on both sides of the stage. And if you've come here today and, and you've got a need or you're just like, I just want somebody to pray for me that, that God would help me in this new year, then I'd encourage you in just a moment to step out of your seat. So I'm going to pray worship team is going to lead us. Prayer team will be here. Make your way to the front. God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the gathering of believers today and, and starting out this year with making you a priority. Lord, I pray it would set the tone for the rest of the year. As we look at the life of Paul, Lord, there was a heritage. There was a reputation. There was a cost to turn from the path that he was on to turn towards you. And Lord, maybe there are some people in this room this morning that are more concerned about what people think about them and their reputation than they are with following you. God, I pray that this morning that that you would give people the courage to leave the past behind and walk the path that you have for them moving forward. Lord, I pray for those that, like Paul, have a horrible past, some tremendous regrets, that today would be a day of freedom where they would confess those sins to you and that that weight of that sin would be lifted in this morning and that there would be a peace and a freedom that would would surround them that they've never experienced before. God, I pray that this morning that you would stir the hearts of men and women, no matter what age, no matter how long they've been serving you, to pursue Christlikeness. In Jesus' name, amen thanks for joining us. We hope that this message was inspiring and encouraging. For more information about this message or about all things Crosspoint, check out our Facebook and head to our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com.